People come in all kinds of conditions of heart to church, and in your heart there may be a anger, a resentment, a bitterness towards God. I tell you, you may hate God, but God does not hate you. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, for the person who does not know God, and they feel as if their life has just been one disappointment, one pain, one hurt after another, how would you respond to them then when they say, I do think that God hates me? (laughs) No, God is always the first to love. The problem is that in our hearts we hate him. The proof that God loves us is right there in the cross and God is always the first to love. It's amazing. We love him because he first loved us. And if we don't love him yet, it's because we don't yet know how much he loves us. So that's where the beginning is made. If in this program today you feel a bitterness and a resentment towards God, I want you just to take a moment to open your mind to the extent of the love of God to you in Jesus Christ. I want you to see his love for you because he loves first and because of his great love for you. Perhaps even today there will be a softening of your heart, a work of the Spirit that will lead you to respond and to begin to love him too. And that's for the person who doesn't know Christ yet. For the person who does, what can we learn from looking at the way Jesus suffered on the cross and the way he treated those who were persecuting him. Well, this statement that we're looking at of our Lord Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Why Jesus said, you know, love your enemies and Mm -hmm. pray for those who persecute you. And he did what he said. And he really is a model for us in this. Every person at some point in life knows what it is to be wounded by someone else. So now think today about the person who has wounded you. And it may be very, very difficult for you as you think about them. But Christ says to you now, now pray for those who have hurt you. And this is what Jesus himself does. And there is love that streams out of this. And it is a redeeming love. And we're going to continue to look at that love as we hear more from the message, praying for the person who causes you pain. If you can, join us in Luke chapter 23. Here is Pastor Colin. Every sin is an act of folly, and if you knew the extent of that folly, you would not commit the sin. That is what we are learning here. And it does have a very practical implication. I want you to think now of some sin to to which you have been tempted in the past and therefore to which you may be tempted again in the future. You think of some sin to which you've been tempted in the past and to which you may this week again be tempted or later this month you may again be tempted. You think about that. Now follow me here. If in that moment where you are tempted you could see the full horror of the hell that that sin brings and the full glory of the heaven that that sin shuns. And if you could see how that sin spits in the face of God, I tell you, you will not fall into that sin. So use this as a defense against sin. Say to yourself in a moment of temptation, This is a sin that shuts people out of heaven. This is a sin that leads people into hell. This is a sin that crucifies Christ. 
I'm saying to you when you're tempted, waken up to what you are doing. Waken up. Now we must come to the glorious words that Jesus speaks to us in our desperate need. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Oh, aren't you so grateful that Jesus on the cross did not simply look with disdain and say, Father, they do not know what they are doing. That would leave us in utter condemnation, wouldn't it? They do not know what they're doing. And I want you then to see the full glory of what he says here, the extent of his love. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. We've looked at what they were doing, though they didn't know it. What was it that Christ was doing? Let me suggest these answers to you. First, Christ was loving them while they were sinning against Him. This is amazing. Christ loves them even while they are sinning against Him. Now, we read earlier this morning the teaching of Jesus. He says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And this is exactly what the Lord Jesus does right here. He prays for his enemies, and he does this while they are inflicting this most excruciating pain on him. Think about this. The people who have been most antagonistic towards him, the people who have brought the greatest insult, the greatest sin against him, they are the very ones who are on his heart. And he prays for them, and he prays for them while they are in the act of crucifying him. You see, the compassion, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, let me suggest to you that Christ has compassion on them because He does know what they are doing. He knows the full weight of the sin that they are committing. He knows heaven. He knows hell. He is God. So He has great compassion. Not only does Christ love them while they are still sinning against Him, He prays for them when they have no interest in praying for themselves. Now, think about this. I wonder if anyone had ever prayed a single prayer for these men. I doubt it. Probably not a single person had ever raised a single prayer for one of these men who were standing around the cross. But Christ prays for them. Amazing. And he prays for those who may be too ashamed even to pray for themselves, those who've not yet even thought about praying for themselves. And they needed this prayer because ignorance of the law is no defense against breaking it, as uh, any policeman may tell you if you are uh, pulled over for uh, breaking the speed limit, right? Ignorance of the, you say, oh, I didn't see the sign, officer. And he'll say to you, well, ignorance of the law does not act as a defense against breaking it. So, you see, Jesus does not say, Father, forget about it because they don't know what they're doing. No, the fact that they don't know what they're doing doesn't diminish the guilt of their sin. They need to be forgiven. That's why He says, Father, forgive them. You've got to see the weight of that. 
even though they do not know what they are doing. And Christ prays for their forgiveness before they have any interest in praying for themselves, any interest in being forgiven. Think about it. These men feel no need of forgiveness. They have not asked for forgiveness. They are not repentant. They have no faith. They are on the path to hell. They are so dead in their sins that they do not even know what they are doing, but Christ prays for them, and He prays for them then. See, this is the point. Christ prays for us long before we ever start thinking about praying to Him. The love of Christ is not a response to your initiative to come to Him in repentance and faith. No, the love of Christ streams out to you and is the means by which you are led to repentance and faith when you see the extent of this love. He loved them when they were sinning against Him. He prayed for them before they ever prayed for themselves. Thirdly, He asked the Father to forgive them. You feel the wonder of this prayer as we think about it and try and get inside of it. Oh, in perfect justice. If you want justice, here's what it would look like. Father, destroy them. Father, destroy them. That would be justice. But he does not make that prayer. He prays, Father, forgive them. You may have hated God but God does not hate you. You may be here this morning. People come in all kinds of conditions of heart to church, and in your heart there may be a, an anger, a resentment, a bitterness towards God. And I tell you, you may hate God, but God does not hate you. Christ prays for the worst of sinners, and for that reason, God is ready to forgive you. Clarence Cranford has a lovely picture. He says, by this prayer on the cross, Jesus was building a bridge of forgiveness over which his tormentors could come in penitence to the Father. Isn't that beautiful? By this prayer, he builds a bridge over which they could come in penitence to the Father. F.W. Krumacher uses another picture. He says, in these words, Jesus takes sinners in His arms of love, and He bears them up the steps to His Father's throne so that they may find mercy. Isn't that beautiful? That's what Jesus does. Now, you say, how in the world is this possible? How is it possible for God to forgive the very worst of sins and embrace the worst of sinners. Maybe you would say today, oh, Pastor, you don't know what I've done, you don't know what I've thought, you don't know what I've said. Is it really possible for the love of God to embrace me? Well, here's how it is possible. And it takes us to the very heart of the cross. When Jesus said, Father, forgive them, he was isolating himself under the judgment of God. That takes you to the very heart of what's going here. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Praying for the Person Who Causes You Pain. It's part of the series Seven Words from the Cross. If you ever miss a broadcast in the series, go and listen online. 
The website address is openthebible.org.uk. Open the Bible is able to stay on this station each day because of your financial support. And this month they have something new and exciting to offer as they continue to make a number of changes on the website and that includes an easier way for you to give. Visit the website at openthebible.org.uk and as a token of their appreciation for your support they have a special gift to send you. It's Pastor Collins' latest book, Six Hours That Changed the World. And Colin, how could you see someone using this book? Well, the six hours that changed the world, of course, are the six hours that Jesus was hanging on the cross. And during that time, he spoke seven times. And each time he spoke, he gave an insight into what he was actually doing on the cross. So one way in which this book could be used is that you could read one of the sections in each of the seven days leading up to Easter. And that would take you into the heart of what Jesus was doing on the cross, what he accomplished, why he was there, and what difference it makes for you. And for families, this would be very simple. It would take about five minutes to read one of these sections. You could do that each day in the week leading up to Easter, and it would really help all of your family to see what it was that Jesus accomplished on the cross and why it changes everything for all who believe. The book is called Six Hours That Changed the World, and they're excited to be able to offer this to you in appreciation for your support. For setting up your regular donation of at least £5 a month, they'll send you a free copy of the book as a special thank you. Learn more when you go to the website, openthebible.org.uk. Again, that's openthebible.org.uk. Well, let's return to the message. Once again, here is Pastor Colin. When Jesus said, Father, forgive them, he was isolating himself under the judgment of God. Let me explain what I mean by that. On that day... Our human sin reached its full horror and its most awful expression at Calvary as we crucified God's Son. And if ever, if ever there was a moment in all of human history where God's judgment had to fall, it was that day. Had to fall. But at this moment where God's judgment had to fall, Jesus cries out, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. And I say that in this prayer, Christ was isolating himself under the judgment of God. He knew that the judgment of God would would fall. It had to fall. But he cries out to the Father, don't let it fall on them. Let it fall on me. Let it be on me alone. Let me be the lightning rod for your judgment. Allow me to be the sacrifice that is consumed on this altar of the cross. Don't let your judgment fall on them. And the eyes of angels must have been transfixed on the throne of God, waiting for the judgment to fall. And friends, it did. But it fell on Jesus and on Jesus alone. And this is the heart of the gospel, that Jesus stands under the judgment of God for the sins that were committed against him, for our sins that were committed against him, as well as theirs. 
He asks the Father to divert the punishment away from his enemies, and he absorbs it in himself. And this is how forgiveness is released to you and to me. God's judgment is poured out on human sin, but not on the sinners, but on the Savior. Not on them, but on Him. Not on us, but on Jesus. And He bears it on the cross, and that is how He builds the bridge over which we may come to God and find mercy and forgiveness. That is how He bears us in His loving arms up the steps of the throne of God so that He may commend us to God's mercy. And when we come in His arms, that mercy will never be refused. By the way, I would not dare to ascend the steps to the throne of God on my own, would you? I love Krumacher's picture, to be born in the arms of Jesus up the steps to the throne of God so that He may commend you to the mercy of God. Well, if He does that in the light of the cross, you are safe, you are forgiven in Him. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. Who is them? The soldiers? Well, what about Peter who denied? What about the the 3,000 people who came to faith in Christ just a few weeks later on the day of Pentecost? They're, They're in there. One more quote from Spurgeon. I love this. Spurgeon says, I really like the word then because it is big enough for me to crawl inside. (laughs) You like that? Friend, the word then is big enough for you to crawl inside today. Father, forgive them. You can crawl inside this prayer and this wonderful promise of Jesus by faith the Savior who already reaches out to you, who's been loving you and praying for you before you've ever begun to think about Him, you may come to Him today and He will bear you in His arms to the mercy of God. You can crawl inside the them. Two questions and then we're through. The first is simply this. Are you awake to the extent of your own sin? That that inevitably is a question that comes out of this meditation today. I'm talking to all of us who are are Christians here. Are you seeing as you grow as a Christian, not only that you are a sinner, it's easy to say, oh yeah, 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 I know I'm a sinner, I, I know that, yes. But are you beginning to see that your sin is far greater than you had ever imagined? Listen, prostitutes and tax collectors came to Jesus while the Pharisees stood back. Why was that? Because The prostitutes and tax collectors in some cases saw the extent of their own sin. And therefore, they were the ones who were first to know the full extent of Christ's love. There's a relationship between these two things. I say to you today, please, please do not go through your life thinking you are a good person. You will never know the extent of the love of Christ that way. It is those who have been forgiven much who love much. And if you are to know much of the love of Christ, the means by which that will happen is that you have a growing awareness of your own sin. Then you will see how much He loves you. 
If you're the kind of person who's got used to, in an evangelical kind of way to say, oh yes, I admit that I'm a sinner, but you can hardly think of a single nameable sin in your life, you're not awake to your own sin. And that's one of the main reasons why you don't know the extent of Christ's love. When you see how much you need to be forgiven, then you will see how much you are loved. That's the principle here. And of course, that will be made clear to you when you stand in the glory of heaven. On that day, you're going to see the brightness. You're going to see the glory. And when you see it in all the purity of heaven, you'll say, I never knew that I was this far from being righteous. And you will say, how, how can I possibly be here in all this splendor and joy and light? How can I belong here? Me? And there will only be one answer to that question. You are there through the righteousness and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ made yours by faith in his shed blood. When you come to know the extent of your own sin, then you will see the extent of Christ's love. The two grow together. Self-righteous people never feel loved by Christ. Don't wait for heaven for that. Ask God to show you more of your sin. Build that into your prayer life so that you may discover more of his love. Make the habit of identifying and confessing particular sins, naming them, writing them down. Use a psalm like Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and try me. See if there's any wicked way within me. Examine yourself. Ask a friend to help you in this if you think that that will be useful. But understand that if you think that your sins are few, you will not have great thoughts about the love of Christ. But when you see that your sins are many and that Christ forgives you, you will begin to see the extent of his love. That is how it works. I just ask then, are you awake to the extent of your own sin? Because I want you to know more of Christ's love. The last question is simply this. Are you enjoying the love of Christ who forgives? Please understand this, that forgiveness is a gift of Christ's love. It is never a legal process it is a gift of love. Tuesday of this week, flew back from uh, a few days uh, with uh, my parents in Scotland. And uh, of course, re-entering the country always means going through passport control. For all the times I've done that over the years, I've got to say I really admire the way that these folks do their job at the airport, uh, checking the passports. I've always found them to be courteous and kind and efficient. And they're there to do a job. They're there to protect a border. And I understand that with all their kindness, they, they don't have any particular personal interest in me. And I was thinking about that coming back into the country this week and, and thinking about this theme. Listen. If you are a person who believes that Jesus died and rose and that he forgives sins and that he opens the gates of heaven, but that you do not really deeply feel that he loves you, it may be that you have come to think of God like the people on passport control, that he's there with a kind of heavenly stamp, 
and that he's letting the right people in, and he's keeping the wrong people out, and he's protecting the border, and he's upholding the law. And I'll tell you, if that is how you think of God, you will never feel that he loves you. I've been welcomed, warmly welcomed, by the good folks on passport control. Welcome back home, Pastor Smith. I love it. but I have never felt loved by them, <laughs> right? And that's where some of us are, I think, precisely in relation to God. Listen, God doesn't deal with you as a case. He loves you as a person. The Son of God embraces you in His love. He prays for you. He lifts you up the steps to the throne of Almighty God and asks that you should be forgiven. He goes to a cross and he suffers and he dies and he says, not on them, but on me. And he bears that wrath for you and he set his love on you before you had a single thought about him. And his love streams out to you today and his great desire is to share your life here until you share his life there. Are you beginning to see the extent of his love? Well, that's a powerful question to conclude the message today. Do you see, or at least begin to see, the extent of God's love for you? As Jesus was being nailed to and hanging on the cross, he cries out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, maybe you have things in your past and you think there's no way God can forgive that. Well, think about this. Jesus on the cross is saying, Father, forgive these people who are actually killing me. And if God can forgive them, he can forgive you. Maybe you've never come to Jesus, repented of your sin or asked for his forgiveness. Well, today could be that day that you could begin that relationship with Jesus and experience his grace, his peace, his forgiveness. If you would like to do that, I hope you'll contact Open the Bible. Just go to the website and leave a message at openthebible.org.uk. Again, that's openthebible.org.uk. Friends, by any standards, this is an extraordinary story. A man who is destined from hell and he's right on the brink of eternal destruction is in a moment given by Jesus Christ full access into all the joys of everlasting life, which he will enter on that very day. A look at the thief on the cross when you join us next time. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible.